gentlemen. All right, go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 24 tonight. Matthew chapter 24. And we're going to continue talking or uh, continue speaking on some last time subjects. And so just kind of, uh, you know, review in the last several weeks or the last few weeks, we've been talking about just kind of how things play out. Uh, the first, first we got covered the real dispensational truth because that is the False dispensational truth teaching is kind of what's messed everybody up in this subject. And so then uh, next week we talk about the pre-wrath rapture proving that the rapture comes before God pours His wrath out on this world. And then we looked in the Bible and showed when God pours His wrath out. And of course it is on the day of the Lord, which comes after the sun is dark and moon turn to blood, after the tribulation, after the abomination of desolation. And then last week we talked about the time of Jacob's trouble. We showed exactly what the time of Jacob's trouble is. Uh, not going to preach all that. Um, hopefully, I haven't been doing information overload on everybody. I mean, we—I know we covered a lot of stuff, a lot of scripture. And I'm going to try to scale it back a little bit. You know, last week I had like ten pages of notes. This week I've only got seven. All right, so um, I'm going to kind of cut it down a little bit. See if see if that makes it a little easier. But um, well, I guess I can count these two two pages there. That's from something else. But anyway. Um, but we're going to go start reading through Matthew chapter 24 tonight. Matthew chapter 24 is one of the most butchered passages. You know, the, the prophecy people have just completely butchered this chapter. They have really messed people's thinking up in it because Matthew 24 does not line up with what most people teach about end times. It just does not line up at all. But at the same time, most people know we're supposed to do what the Bible says, Right. And what do we do when the Bible doesn't say what we think it should say? Well, a lot of times we try to make it mean what we want it to mean. And you know, end times is a very complicated thing for many people. And you know, finally I realized, you know, this, it actually isn't complicated. It's actually pretty simple. The Bible is very clear on, in what it teaches on there, but it's complicated when you're trying to make the Bible fit a preconceived idea. When you're trying to make the Bible fit a doctrine that's false, it's going to become very confusing. But when you just throw all that out and say, you know what, I'm just going to, what does the Bible actually say? It's actually pretty clear. And so uh, we're going to look at what the Bible actually says. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 24 and we're going to take it to a specific event that I want to focus on tonight. And that is the abomination of desolation. Anybody in here ever heard of the abomination of desolation? Anybody never heard of the abomination of desolation? All right, well, you need to know about this event. This is a very important event mentioned many times. But uh, before we get to that, we're going to start reading in Matthew chapter 24. And we are going to look at the order of events and the way they happen. And some of this will be review. We've talked about this a little bit already, but um, I haven't really used Matthew 24 to prove it yet. And for many years, people, they have explained away what is clearly taught in Matthew chapter 24, the order of events that clearly shows the rapture coming after the tribulation, they have explained it away by saying Matthew 24 is written to the Jews. And so, therefore, it, does, you know, it doesn't matter to us. You know, it, you know, that if it, and truth is, even if this passage is exclusively written to the Jews, and I do think you can make some good arguments to show that, yes, this actually is geared towards Jews, for sure. But that doesn't change what the order of events is, okay? If I am a Jewish person, all right, let's assume I'm Jewish, and you come and you tell me that Monday comes before Tuesday, 
All right. And then you go talk to a Gentile, you know, and you say Monday comes before Tuesday. It means the same thing, doesn't it? All right. Monday comes before Tuesday, no matter who you're talking to. It's just the way it is. And when Jesus laid out the order of events, it's going to be the same no matter who it's written to. And so you do. You can tell, show people, well, the Bible says it happens like this and this and this. Yeah, but he's talking to the Jews. Okay. So what does that mean? Was he lying to them? Because the truth is, you know, the order of events is still going to remain the same. That is not an excuse by saying it was written to the Jews. And I'm going to show you, we're going to look at the order of events in Matthew 24. And it's actually the same, exact same order as what we see in Revelation, which is written to seven churches. Which people will say, well, no, that's for the Jews too, because the church, it's not mentioned after Revelation chapter 4, and therefore, that's for the Jews too. Okay, fine, we'll give you that. But what about 2 Thessalonians? What about 2 Thessalonians? We're going to look at the order of events in there too, and it just happens to line up perfectly with Matthew chapter 24. So, the truth is, the order of events are going to be the same no matter who you're talking to. And so let's look at what the Bible says about that. And the only way, you know, you can say it's written to the Jews, can, the only way that can help the pre-trib argument is if there's two raptures. And one of my goals in this too is, as I challenge people on this, I want, I want to force people to admit that if you believe in a pre-trib rapture, you believe there are two raptures. Because most people don't want to admit that. But you have to. And so the only way, if you know, that saying it's written to the Jews that helps that is because Matthew, the rapture we see in Matthew 24 is another rapture for the Jewish people after the tribulation. And I think that's a really tough sell. And I think it's real easy to disprove. So let's go ahead and look at this order of events. Uh, Matthew chapter 24, let's start reading verse 1. And it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and, they, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet stand in the holy place. Whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let them which be in Judea flee unto the mountains. Let them which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. And pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. 
But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall rise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Behold, I have told you before, wherefore if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. For as lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man, Son of Man be. There's going to be a lot of false Christ coming. There's going to, whenever this all starts playing out, a lot of people are going to say, hey, Jesus is there. And he's saying, do not be deceived by any of that. When I come, you're going to know it's me. As lightning shines from the east, even unto the west, when Jesus Christ returns, there is going to be no doubt that it is his return. If there's a question at all, folks, it's not him. It's a, it's a phony. It's a fake. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. What does that mean? Well, if they're saying he's here, he's there. We don't need to go anywhere. He's going to come and get us. Wherever the carcasses, wherever our bodies are, there the eagles be gathered together. The angels are going to come and they're going to gather us up. Wherever we're at, no matter where you're at in the world, the angels are going to find you. They're going to come get you when Jesus Christ returns. Verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And shall send His angels with the great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together His elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. So right here we see the events all leading up to the coming of Christ. Right there in verse 31 we see the catching away. Notice it says he sends his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they gather together his elect. Okay. Now we call this time the rapture, don't we? Okay. But the Bible never uses that term. But a rapture, it literally means a catching away. All right. A snatching away. The Bible uses the term a gathering together. The angels gather us up. Okay, gather, gather the gathering. All right, keep that in mind. Okay, right here in Matthew 24, it says they gather us up. And I claim, I believe this is a rapture. Very clearly, it's a rapture. And Jesus calls it a gathering. That's going to be very important here in a little while. And so, go ahead, keep your fingers in Matthew chapter 24 and turn over to Revelation chapter 6. So we see an order of events in Matthew 24, we see in here, I'm just going to go through this real quick. If you're taking notes, first it's Antichrist. Then we see war, famine, pestilence. We see martyrdom, people being put to death for their faith. The abomination of desolation. Signs and wonders by Satan. The sun darkened and moon turned to blood. And then the rapture. That was the order of events that we saw there in Matthew chapter 24. And, I, and real quickly, I need to go through this. I challenge you to study this. Take notes on this and look at it for yourself. But Revelation chapter 6, I'm in Romans chapter 6, so we need Revelation chapter 6. We're going to look and see what it says. This is clearly in the tribulation. These, uh, uh, Jesus is breaking the six seals. And it says in verse 1, When the Lamb opened one of the seals, I heard as it were the noise of thunder, and one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. This here represents the Antichrist. And we just happen to see in Matthew 24, verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. 
The Antichrist, he's going to take over by deception. He's going to deceive the nations. Antichrist shows up first. But I'm going to tell you right now, I do not believe, and I'm going to show you this a little bit, I don't believe when the Antichrist shows up, we are going to know for sure it is him until the abomination of desolation. And that's why we're focusing on that event tonight. I believe that the abomination of desolation is when the Antichrist is revealed. Okay, because the truth is, Antichrist has always been around, the spirit of Antichrist. John talked about it, that it was already there. We know Antichrist is going to come, but the spirit of Antichrist has been around for a very long time. But the Antichrist, he's not going to show up till God allows him to. And I don't believe that we will know for sure it is him until we see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. But he is going to show up. He's going to start his work first. I don't, I don't know that we're going to know when it starts. I don't know that we're going to know when Daniel's 70th week starts. I don't know that for sure. And that fits with the whole man knows, man knows the day or the hour. And so we see, though, the next thing in Revelation or in chapter 6, verse 3. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red, and power was given unto him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. And that they should kill one another, and there was given unto him a great sword. We see here war is taking place. I believe this will probably be World War Three. Okay, Chloe's been learning about World Wars in school, and Allie, she's now all of a sudden scared of World Wars, and she's just you know, and in her mind, it's just like all this war and fighting going on right here in America. And I had to comfort her with the fact, and she's thrilled now to know that America's got the strongest army and we, we've won the last two world wars and we always kick the rear of the enemy. And she's pretty excited about that now. But at the, at the same time, uh, you know, I don't bet on America unless we're on God's side. And that's kind of questionable right now. And so let's get right with God and then we have nothing to fear. But anyway, that's another subject for another day. But in Matthew chapter 24... Verse 6, it says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Okay? There's going to be war going on during that time. See that ye not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And then, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, and we don't have time to read through all of this, but we see another one of the what they call the four, four horsemen of the apocalypse, and we see famine. Famine that takes place. And sure enough, it says in, in Matthew chapter 24, Verse 7, after kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines. Same order that we see in Revelation chapter 6. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it mentions the fourth horseman and it being pestilence. People dying from diseases that take place. And it says in Revelation chapter 24 and verse 7, it's wars, famines, and pestilences. Just like in Revelation chapter 6, the same order of events and then, in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9-11, through 11, when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. We see here that God does not judge yet because part of Him dealing with the martyrs is, you know, He's got to wait for the rest of them to come. 
All right, and we see during the tribulation here, they haven't all died yet, but they are dying. They are in the process of being killed. The Antichrist, he is making war with the saints and he's, he's prevailing over them. Okay? But the Bible says we prevail over him because we don't listen to the Antichrist. And this is just a little bonus side note here. Notice, most people say, well, this is after the rapture. Well, where are the bodies of all these martyrs? It says under the throne were the souls. Where are their bodies? Well, their bodies are still in the graves because the rapture has not taken place yet. They have not had the bodily resurrection yet, but I believe there's a special place in heaven for the martyrs. And I believe they are, they are there now, but it's just their souls. Their bodies are still in graves. And when, and when the, Jesus Christ returns, the rapture comes, then they'll be reunited with their bodies. So that's just kind of a side note there to show that the rapture has not come yet at this point. But we see that in verse 11. That's the fifth seal. And then in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, after that, or in verse 15, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Spoken up by Daniel the prophet. That is the next event. And then in verse 23, then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, there believe it not. For there shall rise false Christ and false prophets. And look at this, shall show great signs and wonders. That if it were possible, they should deceive the very elect. You all see that? They're going to show great signs and wonders during that time. And then after that, we see in verse 29, the sun darkened and the moon turned to blood. In Revelation chapter 6, verse 12, it doesn't cover the part with Satan's lying wonders in chapter 6. But then when you get to verse 12 of Revelation chapter 6, and I beheld when you opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. Same order, the exact same order as in Matthew chapter 24. And then, of course, we see the rapture. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 30 and 31. And then in Revelation chapter 7, first it talks about the sealing of the 144,000. We don't have time to talk about them tonight. A lot of false teaching about that that's just goofy. We don't have time to get into that. But in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 10, and right here in verse, or verse 9, after this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. And they're there. They're praising God around the throne. And then one of uh, the elders answered in verse 13, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? Where did all these people come from? All these people who just showed up around the throne, praising God. And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. He said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. I believe that the rapture has just taken place. They got caught up to be with the Lord. And you know, what does it say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? After we're caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And in the end of Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There we are with the Lord and be there forever with the Lord at that point. So we see that the order of events in Matthew 24 and Revelation chapter 6, identical. You can say Matthew 24 is written to the Jews and I'll give you that. 
But the order of events is still going to be the same, no matter who the audience is. Revelation chapter 6, it's written to seven churches. Same order. You can say, well, that's not for the church because the church isn't going to be here. That's you know for Jewish believers. Okay, fine. We're just going to give you that for the sake of argument. I don't feel like arguing with you on that. So, go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because, who do you think the Thessalonians were written to? The Thessalonians, alright? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse 1, look what it says. Now, I, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto Him. What did it call it in Matthew 24 when we were taken by the angels? What word did it use? They gather. It's a gathering. Okay, The rapture, the catching away, it is a gathering. Okay? Sometimes I think we shot ourselves in the foot when we started calling it the rapture. Because people are like, oh no, that gathering, that's not the rapture. That's the gathering. The rapture is a gathering. Okay, you know The resurrection was what it was called in the Old Testament because it wasn't revealed yet that there were going to be some who were alive and that remained that were going to be caught up. But the truth is, for most Christians that have ever lived, it's going to be more about the resurrection because most people are already dead. Okay, and But they'll be resurrected, re- resurrected and raptured during that time. But, but you know, it, it's a gathering. Okay, When He says, I beseech you by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together in Him, that is in fact talking about the rapture. And he says that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us is that the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ and the day of the Lord are the same day. We don't have time to go into all the examples, but here's how you can kind of separate the two. When it talks about the day of the Lord, it's usually talking about judgment. It's usually ta- It sounds bad when it's talking about the day of the Lord because it's talking about God judging the world. But whenever they're talking to Christians, they always talk about it as the day of Christ. Why? Because that day is great for us. I mean, we, we look forward to that day. That's our ticket out of here. You know, so it's the day of Christ. That is day of the Lord, same day. It's a rapture. From our perspective, it's the day of Christ, the day of the Messiah, the day of the Redeemer, how, when He's going to come to take us home. For the world, it's the day of the Lord, where the King of kings and Lord of lords is going to begin to pour out His wrath on this world. Scary day for them. Wonderful day for us. And so he says, he said, you know, be not troubled. Don't be shaken in mind as that the day of Christ is at hand. Okay. Which means it's, it's about here. He says, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We don't have time to go back and read all of the places in, in Daniel where the abomination of desolation is mentioned. Where we get the seven years from, the Bible says in Daniel, it says he shall confer a covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, in the midst of the week, in the middle of the seven years, he shall cause the sacrifice and the ablation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate until the consummation. I think I quoted all that right. 
that is that was when it was uh, first mentioned there in Daniel, and it's mentioned again later in Daniel chapter eleven. We might uh, we might look at that here in just a little bit, but it makes it very clear in Daniel. Um, I forgot where that. I forgot uh, in Daniel chapter eleven. It's very clear that what happens that the Antichrist comes and he sets his image up. He declares himself to be God. You know, uh, and we'll look at that in a little bit. I don't want to get ahead of myself. But there, it says here, first, there's going to be a falling away before our gathering. Okay? In Matthew chapter 24, verse 11, look what it says there. Okay? Paul said, a falling away comes first. Okay? In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 11, look what it says. It's. It says, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. I believe that's a reference to the falling away right there. False prophets are going to come. What are the false prophets going to do? Well, we know the false prophet is going to get people to worship the image of the beast. We'll talk a little more about that in a little bit. That, I believe, is the falling away. People taking the mark of the beast. People worshiping the image of the beast. They're being deceived. That is the falling away. And then we see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3, he mentions that when the Antichrist is revealed, the son of perdition who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is the abomination of desolation that he, Paul is talking about right here. And he says before Christ comes, there's going to be a falling away, abomination of desolation, and then jump down to verse... Um, Five, he says, remember ye not when I was with, yet with you, I told you these things. And now ye know that what withholdeth that ye might be revealed in his time for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then, then shall that wicked be revealed. Whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure and unrighteousness. Notice what it says. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Well, look what it says in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 23. It says, And then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, and there believe it not, for there shall rise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders. Y'all wonder where Paul's getting his language from? Paul was familiar with Jesus' Olivet Discourses, this is called. And he's using all the same words, the same terminology. He uses the exact same order of events. And he's saying the day of Christ is not at hand. There hasn't been the falling away. The, the Antichrist has not been revealed. The abomination of desolation has not been committed yet. In fact, Satan has not done all his you know, signs and powers and lying wonders yet. 
What's he talking about? Remember all those things that Jesus talked about? He's like, when I was with you before, I told you these things. He had preached Jesus' message before to them. He told them the list of events, and all these people are standing around. They went to one of these prophecy conferences, you know, preached by John Hagee or somebody, and he got them all stirred up saying, you know, Jesus Christ is going to return at any moment. You know, Jesus Christ could come in the clouds today. You know, you know and just, you got them all excited, and they're like, oh man. This isn't what we were expecting. This isn't what we thought, you know. And they're all worried about it for whatever reason. And here, Paul said, hey, calm down, folks. This isn't it. Okay, They were in tribulation during that time. That was probably one of the reasons they thought that. They were going through tribulation. But it was like, no, this isn't it. Too many things have not happened yet that Jesus said were going to happen first. And then in verse, you know, 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9, you know, even him who's coming, it's after, after all those other things. The order of those events are exactly like in Matthew chapter 24, exactly like in Revelation chapter 6 and 7. So, when people, when people come up to you and say, like, nope, that's to the Jews, it doesn't change anything. The same order of events is still the same order of events. And the key in these event in these passages, is the abomination of desolation. Jesus and Paul told the believers to watch for it. And this is the key event. This is the key event because all the other events, the wars, the famines, the pestilences, the earthquakes, those have all been going on since the time of Christ, haven't they? How many, I mean, you know, none of us were alive during World War One. I, I don't think. Uh, and, or, you know, World War II, something might have been around during, during that time. But I can imagine in some parts of the world during those times, people probably thought it was about the end of the world. I imagine there was probably some people that thought that they were in the tribulation. I bet there was a lot of people that thought Jesus Christ could come at any moment during that time. I said, I, I wasn't there, but I've seen the movies. And when you watch some of that stuff, you're just like, you know, I, I can see where people would have thought that. There were some pretty horrible things people went through. I will... I would imagine there are people in the world today, there are certain parts of the world where people think we are in the tribulation. I could totally see that. In America, if we have a financial setback, we think we're in the tribulation. But think about if you were in the rest of the world where they were actually killing Christians. You know those people think we're in tribulation. So all those things, in the first seals, the famines, the earthquakes, all those things, the spirit of Antichrist, he's always been around. He's always been at work. All the other things have always been around. And Jesus, He went through all those things. He's like, you know, those things must be, but the end is not yet. And then He brought up, when ye see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. He brings up that main, that main event. And you know, you might think that, well, we're safe then right now, right? Because... That abomination of desolation, that takes place in the temple, right? And go ahead and go over to Daniel chapter 11. Keep your finger there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But in Daniel chapter 11, we don't have time to read everything that would be, it would be convenient to read during that time. But it says in verse... Oh, lost, lost my spot. Where is the verse where it talks about him set, going in the temple declaring himself to be God? Brother Mark, you want to look for that while I move on with this? <laughs> but I forgot, to, I forgot to write that verse down. I hate when I do that. But notice, though, 
It's very, you know, Jesus mentioned that event. When you see that, that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Okay? If Jesus told his disciples, you will see that event. Had that event happened yet? Did the abomination of desolation happen before Jesus came to earth? Well, absolutely not. But at the same time, I'm going to tell you, yes, it did. Really? What, what are you talking about? Well, don't throw any rocks at me yet. Don't stone me yet. I'm actually going to use this to prove this is not Bible. But I want to read a verse from you from 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verse 54. Don't look for that in your Bible. All right, it's, it's, not in, it's not in your Bible. This is an apocryphal book. It's in the Catholic Bible. But you can look at it and say this is historical. But if you read 1 Maccabees chapter 1, and you look at the events that took place there, it lines up perfectly with the prophecies of Daniel. Daniel prophesied of several world events that were going to take place that history proves happened exactly the way Daniel prophesied. And Maccabees, I mean, outlines it perfect. And in 1 Maccabees chapter 1, verse 54, it says, Now in the fifteenth day of the month Kazlu, in the hundred forty and fifth year, they set up the abomination of desolation upon the altar and builded idol altars throughout all the cities of Judah on every side. You all see that? According to Maccabees, the abomination of desolation already happened. It happened before Jesus' time on earth. Well, what's that talking about? It is very clear when you read the book of Daniel that there are dual prophecies in there. You can make a strong argument that every, all of Daniel's prophecies were fulfilled except for Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12 clearly is a rapture passage. But you can make the argument that those things all happened but yet at the same time, Jesus proves that the abomination of desolation had not happened. Because Jesus said it's yet to come. Therefore, First Maccabees had it wrong. Everybody thought it was the abomination of desolation. Because Daniel prophesied about in chapter 11. Did you find that verse yet? I thought it was in Daniel chapter 11. Maybe I got it wrong. Are there? Uh, chapter 9, verse 27. Chapter 9, verse 27. All right. I, I, thought, it was chapter, I thought it was chapter 11. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Yeah, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice. Now, that's not the one I'm looking for. There's another one that talks about him setting the image up in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I can't believe I didn't write that one down. That was an important verse. But it's very clear that what took place, it was exactly the way Daniel said, but still it was not what Jesus was, or what God was trying to show them. The real abomination of desolation had not happened yet. Jesus proves that. Therefore, 1 Maccabees is wrong. And therefore, they got it right when they didn't put it in our Bible. Is it a good historical book? Yeah, but it's not inspired Scripture. Why? There's mistakes in it. There's things that don't line up with the rest of the Bible. Therefore, it shouldn't be there. But did you know, there's many different events in history that people have thought was the abomination of desolation. In fact, if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, okay, Fox's Book of Martyrs, it tells about an event after the time of Christ where they say the abomination of desolation happened. It says, this is right from the Fox's Book of Martyrs, after the death of Tiberius succeeded Caligula, Claudius Nero, and Domitius Nero, which three were likewise scourges to the Senate and people of Rome. The first commanded himself to be worshipped as God. 
and temples to be erected in his name and used to sit in the temple among the gods, requiring his image to be set up in all the temples and also in the temple of Jerusalem. Whoa, the emperor, he Caesar has declared that he wants his image in the temple. Daniel prophesied about that. Jesus prophesied about that. The apostle Paul prophesied about that. And it says, which caused great disturbance among the Jews and then began the abomination of desolation spoken of in the gospel to be set up in the holy place. Now, is Fox's Book of Martyrs scripture? No. It's history. History records the abomination of desolation already happened, just like Jesus said was going to happen in Matthew 24, and like Paul said in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, this event that took place, I forgot what you, it, that was around 70 AD when Jerusalem was destroyed. When Jerusalem was obliterated, when the temple was destroyed, just like Jesus said was going to happen in the beginning of Matthew chapter 24. And so, you might think, well, okay, so did the abomination of desolation happen? Because when we get to Revelation that was written, and most people believe, around 92 A.D., after the destruction of the temple, after Fox's Book of Martyrs, abomination of desolation, there is no mention in Revelation, chapter, in Revelation about the abomination of desolation. This event that's mentioned multiple times in Daniel that Jesus said to watch for, that Paul said to watch for, is not mentioned in Revelation in the main book on end times. Why would that not be mentioned? Could it be because it had happened already? What's going on, what's going on here? Well, how many have ever heard of preterism? The preterists teach that all the prophecies have already been fulfilled. Matthew 24 has all been fulfilled. Revelation has all been fulfilled. And here, and so, please don't get scared. Alright, but let me share a little bit of what they teach. Look at Matthew chapter 23 and verse 33. Okay, now, I said, I claim and I, I strongly believe that Daniel is a dual prophecy. Very clear, because exactly what Daniel said was going to happen, it happened not long after Daniel's time, before Christ's time. But Jesus said the abomination of desolation had not happened yet. Okay? Even though we see exactly what Daniel said was going to happen, happened. Okay? It obviously was a dual prophecy. There are many examples of those in the Bible. And in Matthew chapter 23, verse 33, it says, Ye serpents, ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them ye shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall ye scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, the son of Berechias, whom ye slew between the temple and the altar. Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. You all see that? Verily, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. Jesus prophesied that on that generation, they were going to suffer 
for the, all the martyrs from Abel to Zacharias. On that generation, and 40 years later, 40 years is typically a generation in the Bible, 40 years later in 70 A.D., Jerusalem was destroyed. It was wiped out. The temple was destroyed. Just like Jesus said. That's why in Matthew chapter 24, verse 1, the disciples are showing Jesus the building of the temples. They go out on the Mount of Olives, which is east of Jerusalem, up there on the hill. You can see Jerusalem perfect. You can see the temple. It was a glorious, magnificent building. And they're looking, Jesus, look at, the, look at these buildings. They're going to be here forever. They're not going anywhere. And Jesus said, there's not going to be one stone left here upon another. When's this going to happen? When is that temple going to be destroyed? What is the sign of your coming? They're asking a couple different questions that we know, you know, the and what these events unfold in two completely different times. But Jesus kind of answers it all at once. And he had told them before that that generation was going to suffer for all those people. And then jumped over to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 32. After he went through all these events, we stopped at verse 31 at the rapture. But then in verse 32, Jesus says, Now learn a parable of a fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. Wait a minute. If this generation meant that generation in Matthew 23 then does this generation mean that generation in Matthew chapter 24? Well, I, I think to be honest, you have to say that it does. But wait a minute. Jesus hasn't returned yet. Well, according to Preterist, yes, He has. Look, Listen to this. I know I already read from Maccabees, and I told you that's not, that's not Scripture. All right. Now I'm going to read from Josephus. Okay, Josephus in AD 75. A Jewish historian, he wrote this, Beside these, a few days after that feast on the one and twentieth day of the month, a certain prodigious and incredible phenomenon appeared. I suppose the account of it would seem to be a fable were it not related by those that saw it and were not the events that followed it of so considerable a nature as to deserve such signals. For before sunsetting, chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen running about among the clouds and, and surrounding of cities. Moreover, at the feast which we call Pentecost, as the priests were going by night into the inner court of the temple, as their custom was to perform their sacred ministrations, they said that in the first place they felt a quaking and heard a great noise, and after they heard a sound as of a great multitude saying, Let us remove hence. Y'all see that? That was Jesus coming in the clouds. Y'all, you see that? Eusebius. Early church historian, he wrote before the setting of the sun, chariots and armed troops were seen throughout the whole region in midair, wheeling through the clouds and encircling the cities. That was the return of Christ. It was a spiritual return, not a physical return. And therefore, everything in Matthew 24 has been fulfilled. Well, there's a huge problem with that. First of all, if that was the glorious appearing, that was lame. Alright. Second of all, there was no resurrection of the dead. There was no catching away of people. You know, I mean, there was, every eye didn't see him. Okay? And notice, I like what Josephus said. You know, if it weren't for all, you know, I would think it was a fable. Well, didn't the Bible warn us about Jewish fables? Alright? And Josephus was Jewish. Very possible and very likely 
that there would be some lies in what he wrote in their history. They, Jews, are known for that. I'm sorry. But anyway, there's no way. there was no resurrection of the dead. There was no bodily change. We should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Every eye didn't see him. No one was caught up in the clouds. But why did Jesus say that generation? What was he doing? Because I believe Matthew 24, like the prophecies of Daniel, were dual prophecies. Why does it say when you see the abomination of desolation, let him who's not in the house come down? You know, those are in Jerusalem or Judea, flee into the mountains. Well, we, what do we do here in Rock Falls? Well, I personally believe some of those parts in there were specifically for that generation because Jesus knew what was coming for Jerusalem. And I believe He was warning His followers, letting them know when to get out of town. And if you study the history of the destruction of Jerusalem, it is, it is a proven fact in history that the Christian people, many of the Christians stayed in Jerusalem. And during that time, when all those events started to unfold, they got out before Jerusalem was destroyed. They heeded the warnings of Jesus Christ and got out. There was a du- I believe there's a dual prophecy there. And all those things did happen in that generation. But at the same time, it is crystal clear that Jesus Christ has not returned yet. There was a dual meaning in that prophecy. And I know that's a tough sell for a lot of people. But at the same time, it's really hard to get past. You, can't, you, you really can't deny it. And He gave those signs for the Christians so they would know when to get out. And so, what will this abomination of desolation be like for us? Because I believe we have not seen it, but yet Revelation doesn't talk about it. And I personally believe because in one sense, in a partial way, the abomination of desolation did happen in 70 AD. Like Daniel talked about. Like Paul talked about. Where they, you know, they went and they set an image up in the temple. But notice what Jesus said when He talked about that. He said, Whoso readeth, let him understand. The, Matthew 24 records exactly what Jesus said to His disciples. But understand, there were some things that were not yet, had not yet been revealed to His disciples. So what is this going to be? What, with what we know now about the Scriptures, what could we expect from the abomination of desolation? Well, John chapter 2, verse 18 says, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the Scripture and the word which he said. Notice that temple was always kind of the focal point in the Old Testament time. But when Jesus Christ came along, hey, you know what? I'm the temple. Destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up. And we know now in Acts chapter 7, verse 47, it says, but Solomon built him a house talking about the temple. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hand made all these things? Okay? God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. In buildings 
like that temple. Isaiah 66 verse 1 says, he is, he's quoting from Isaiah 66 1 where it says, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath mine hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that hath the poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. It is so clear. Once again, God always had one plan from the beginning of time. God, that temple was never what it was all about. It was always going to be about Jesus Christ. And what is His temple now? What's His temple now? In Isaiah 66, it prophesied it. You know, what are you going to do? How are you going to build me a temple? You're building it all out of stuff that I made myself. Any materials you use, I made those. Everything is already mine. But what am I? He, what was he looking for? He was looking unto him that is of a poor and contrite spirit and trembleth at his word. And First Corinthians chapter three verse sixteen says, "Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. You all see that we are the temple of God, not a building." Sitting over in Jerusalem. 1 Corinthians 6.19 What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is any which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. There is no... There's not going to be a temple. People think we're safe because there's no temple. There has to be a temple for the abomination of desolation to happen. No, there doesn't. They can build whatever they want over there in Jerusalem. They're trying to build the temple right now, but they can build that all they want. And you could put whatever statue you want in there and they're not defiling anything. That is not the temple of God. They can call it the temple of God, but it's not the temple of God. The Bible teaches us that once again, they didn't understand this in Matthew chapter 24. And that's why it says, whoso readeth, let him understand. The Antichrist is going to set something up in the temple. Well, they only understood the temple as that building at that time. We know now that our body is the temple of God, not a building made with hands. And so, what is the abomination of desolation? Well, actually, it is in Revelation. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, which had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed, and he doeth great wonders. Remember that? Satan does power and signs and lying wonders. He does that before Christ comes back. He doeth great wonders. So that he maketh fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. That's one of those wonders. Jesus didn't tell us about that in Matthew 24, but in Revelation chapter 13, we find out what one of those wonders are. He calls fire down from heaven. What do you think all the Jews are going to say? Whoa, he's got the power of Elijah. No, no, that's the devil. That's fake. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, he's a fraud. Verse 14, and he deceiveth them that dwelleth on the earth by means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. There is the falling away, I believe, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by the sword and did live, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor and free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their fore- or in their foreheads, 
that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of beasts for is the number of a man, which is the number which his number is six hundred three score and six. The mark of the beast in the hand or the forehead of the very temple of God. Think about that. We are the temple of God. How could the Antichrist defile a temple over there in Jerusalem? That, that's not God's house. That, that's not God's temple. What is an abomination? You know, why is an abomination with him doing something in a building that God did not sanction, that God has nothing to do with? God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. We see that in Acts. They didn't understand that yet in Matthew chapter 24. And so, but that has been revealed to us now. And I'm telling you right now, I believe they might build a temple before Jesus Christ comes back. But watch out there. It's, it's going to be a method of deception. Boy, the prophecy people are going to go nuts when they start putting the temple up. But let me tell you, it's a fraud. It's a fake. It will be used only to deceive. It's sad how many Christian old ladies are donating money to the Temple Mount Institute trying to help build that temple. Why would you do that? That is, that is a fraud. That is a, that is a phony. It is a fake. Why would people, they, but they do that. And so people ask, well, I, I believe, I personally believe, I don't think it has to be this way, but I think the mark of the beast is the abomination of desolation. It takes place right about the same time. I don't understand why the Bible would talk about the abomination of desolation so much and then leave it out in Revelation. Well, because I don't think he did leave it out in Revelation. It's just a lot more specific of what it is because new things had been revealed. And I believe our body is the temple of God. And people think, well, what if, what if they make me take it? What if they hold me down and force me to take the mark of the beast? Will I go to hell? Well, look what it says in Revelation 14, verse 9. It says, and the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. Notice God has not poured his wrath out again. We showed that a couple weeks ago. But notice, for that to happen, you have to worship the image and take the mark. Well, you know what? They could force me to take the mark physically. They could get stronger people than me. They, you know, they could shoot me with a tranquilizer, and that's what they're going to have to do. All right? Before they inject anything in me, they're going to have to shoot me with a tranquilizer. They're going to have to take me somewhere helpless, and they're going to inject it in me. I can't stop that. Right there, abomination of desolation. They have defiled the very temple of God, branding the image of the beast and his name, the number of his name, on my forehead, on my hand. My body is the temple of God. They have no right to do that, but I believe they're going to try. And that while they can force that on me, they can't make me worship the image. They can't make me do that. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be some serious kicking and screaming. I'm going to fight with everything I have before they even give me the mark. But they, and, but they could. They could overpower me and they could make me take the mark, but they can't make me worship the image of the beast. People think, what if they for, what if they take our kids? What if they take our children and they give it to them? Are my kids going to go to hell? Listen, your kids are innocent. They can't make your kids worship a beast either. They can't, they can't force that on them. They're, they're in a state of innocence. They can force the mark, and I think they will succeed in doing that. And that's why the Bible calls it the abomination of desolation. Defiling the very temple of God where God dwells, 
putting that on a believer, how wicked is that? That is, that is wicked. That is an abomination. They can do whatever they want in Jerusalem right now. I mean, right now they've got the Dome of the Rock where a bunch of Muslims go over there and do their phony prayers all the time and all their hocus-pocus and satanic junk in the place where the temple was. You know, God doesn't dwell there. He dwells in the believer. Our body is the temple. And so, this ought to cause us as Christians, I think, to be as different as we can from the world. I don't want to have to, I don't have to do what the world does. I don't have to talk, walk, dress, think, act like the world. And most Christians today, they buckle to the pressure of someone just laughing at them. What are these people going to do when it means your life to be different? I don't know about you, but I'm going to start rebelling right now. I'm going to start rebelling right now so that I can strengthen myself for that big day. When I may be asked to lay down my life, I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not doing it. It's it's it, it's very clear in the Bible. That day to come, they're going to try to force everybody, trying to get us all to do the same thing, trying to make us one. They're going to make it sound so wonderful. It could be a microchip thing. It could be a brand, a tattoo. I don't know what it's going to be exactly, but I know one thing: they're not going to make me do it. And the Bible says, "When ye see," I believe it's very clear that we might not know for sure that we are in the tribulation. Until that moment. And after that, there's going to be great tribulation. When we see the abomination of desolation, when we see them physically forcing this type of thing on people, that's, that's when we're going to know. But folks, it won't be long after that. It won't be long after that, and we will be out of here. And I'm looking forward to that. And so the abomination of desolation, I don't believe it's here right now, but I do know one thing. I'm not going to be like the world. I'm not going to do what everybody else does. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to be different. I'm going to, I'm going to walk the straight and narrow path. I'm not going that broad way that leads to destruction. I'm going to, I want to be ready when that day comes. So with that, let's all stand together.